Human beings have a unique makeup among all of the creatures in God's creation. Every human being is made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Understand this. Plant life has just a body. Animal life has a body and a soul. Human beings, and only human beings, have a body, a soul, and a spirit. Now, understanding that fact alone gives you a ton of insight into human needs and human behavior. But why are human beings the only creatures with a body, a soul, and a spirit? Well, it's because human beings are the only creatures created in the image of God. Did you know that God has a body, a soul, and a spirit? God the Father is the soul of God. God the Son is the body of God. God the Spirit is the spirit of God. And the fact that man has a body and a soul and a spirit, and that's something, by the way, for you to ponder. You're not going to get that in a brief sermon from pastor on Sunday morning. You need to ponder that. So, you know, pastor, you know, you seem to understand a lot of things. How, how did you get that? I got to tell you, and I, I, there's a ton more I need to learn, and it's been a lot of reading, a lot of studying, a lot of listening. But I tell you, it also comes from an awful lot of thinking while I work. And I'm talking about when I was 12 years old. I didn't want to upstage uh, Dita, but she got her first job when I was 10. I was 9. When I, anyway, but um, <laughs> mowing the neighbor's grass for $3. But it was a job, $3 a week for mowing the neighbor's grass. But always while I've worked, I think and I ponder things. One of the first things I ever pondered was the concept of eternity. How can it be? And to think about time going both directions infinitely. And I'll address that on a different day. There is an answer for that. But you need to ponder the concept of man has a body and a soul and a spirit. Because listen, you're not going to have victory like you could have until you begin to have an understanding of body. We all get that. That's the part we see. Soul. Well, wait, what is that? And spirit. If you're not, if you don't understand the soul, you're definitely not going to understand the spirit. And so, very important question, what is the spirit of man? What does it do? Now this is, you can exhaust that question with all kinds of discussion. But let's keep it brief here. The spirit of a person, is that part of him or her that drives him? It defines him. And most importantly, it's the part of a person that connects them with God. Remember, God told Adam in the day that you eat of the fruit of that one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in that day you will die. Well, he ate of the fruit eventually. He didn't drop dead. Well, that's because his body did not die. It began to die, but it didn't drop dead. His soul did not die. The soul is a part of you that interacts with other people. 
His soul did not die. He lived to be over 900 years old, the Bible says. So I don't understand that. I can explain that to you on a different day, but this is not that day. But his spirit died immediately. And every one of us is walking around until we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. We are walking around with a dead spirit. When you get saved, when you are born again, that spirit is given new life. And that newly born spirit is indwelt by the Spirit of God. So your spirit is that part of you that connects you with God. But if you don't know God, if you don't connect with God, if you're not saved, you still have spiritual connections, and that's dangerous. All of the crazy that you see happen in this world is done by people who made a spiritual connection that was not God. There's something else to ponder. And that, that'll answer a lot of questions for you. The danger of a person's spirit, even a believer, is that because God has given man the freedom to choose, every person can choose to connect their spirit to a faulty source. When you give yourself to alcohol, you're connecting your spirit to a faulty source. When you connect yourself to marijuana, you're connecting your spirit to a faulty source. By the way, whether they legalize it or not, it'll still, uh, you saw a lady stand before you and shed tears because her stepson died of a, of, of an overdose. I'd bet money that it began with pot. We were riding back from the, that very meeting yesterday. We were behind a Porsche on uh, Route uh, 25. He was all over the road and we watched as these Spoiled rich kids are passing a bond between them and the car. And according to Mayor de Blasio, if it happened in New York, they wouldn't have been arrested. But who cares about arrested? What about where those kids are going in life? And where are you going in your life when you connect your spirit to a faulty source? When you give yourself to faulty ideas about life, you're connecting your spirit to a faulty source. It is vital for every one of us to be aware of what is influencing our spirit. And the only way to keep ourselves spiritually right and pure is to daily work to stay plugged in to the spirit of God. So in our text, the Apostle Paul is writing to his his apprentice, his protege, Timothy. He's motivating Timothy from many miles away to have the courage to employ his spiritual gifts. And that's when he makes this statement. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And very often that text is used to talk about how fear is not of God. And that is very important to to understand. But I want to look at the second part of the verse and just give you a thought. And you say, well, this sounds like just the beginning. No, we're very close to the end. You'd be encouraged if you knew how close to the end we are. First thing that verse tells us that you got to know, when you're overcome by fear, that's not from God. In any endeavor that you are supposed to pursue. Now, you got to have enough sense to be honest with yourself about what is an endeavor that you're supposed to pursue. Okay? If we're talking about the first day of a new job, You're supposed to go for it. 
You're supposed to give it everything you've got. If we're talking about you got some shady friends that are trying to get you to go to a party, and if you're going to be in with the freshman class, you need to go to that party even though you know there's some bad stuff waiting for you there, that's not something you're supposed to go for. So if you're afraid to do that as a Christian, that's not fear, that's conviction. That's God telling you, don't you dare. There's trouble there. Then there's other things like, you know, getting on the king to ka. There's that fear, and I don't even know what category that's in. That's just, I, I haven't pondered that one yet. But anyway, but you know what I'm talking about. There are endeavors that you're supposed to, hey, you're, you're going into Danbury High School as a freshman. Oh, man, this is scary. You're supposed to pursue that. So here's what you need to know. If you're scared to do it, that fear is not from God. So throw it out. I'm not supposed to be scared to death. Not throw it out as in you can just flip a switch and not be scared, but press on in spite of it. And no, God's not the one making me afraid here. This spirit of fear is not from God. But let's look at the positive side. Because the spirit of God lives in you, Christian, you have access to supernatural resources. Power, love, and a sound mind. Power is the God-given ability to go after the right things and get them done. Love is the God-given ability to reach out to other people and show them God's love. A sound mind is the God-given ability to stay mentally and emotionally stable and on course. You are equipped to do those things. Now, everybody here who's ever tried to fix a car or take on some carpentry, you know, tackle some, something in a room of your house that, that uh, requires carpentry or something similar, electricity, or you've tried to do something, you know, make a meal or, or, or try a new recipe, you know how frustrating it is to start in and you look in your toolbox and you're missing one of the key tools. Every man who's worked on cars knows this feeling. You open up your, your ratchet set and sockets, and they're all there except for one, the one you need, right? You go, you go to try some new recipe, and um, you realize that a key ingredient, I don't have it all, we're all, I can't believe we're all out of vanilla, or I can't, you know, something like that. And uh, if you're like me, you try it anyway, and it's horrible. But um, the realization that you don't have everything that you need in your toolbox. What I'm telling you is that if you have the spirit of... No, no, no. What God's telling you in this verse is that if you have the spirit of God living in you, you always have the right tools in your toolbox. So when you face that monumental task and you go, oh, I can't do it. All right, first of all, throw that out. That's the spirit of fear. It didn't come from God. Secondly, go to the spirit of God and said, okay, I know I have the spirit of power because you promised. So I'm going forward with the spirit of God in me. I can do this. When you face that relationship challenge where you know you're going to have to go a little further than you want to go. You're going to have to reach out. You're going to have, or even the task of loving 
what we call the unlovable. Nobody's unlovable. But we look at somebody and say, boy, it's so hard to love that person. But you can. Because you've been given the spirit of love. The spirit of a sound mind. Everybody else is going out of their mind. Everybody else is freaking out. You can have peace. How do you know I can have peace? Because God has given us the spirit of a sound mind. You have that tool in your toolbox. That's it. That's the truth this morning. To remind you that you have all the tools you need in your toolbox. Fear is not one of them. God doesn't give you that. But when you know you're supposed to do, do something, but you're scared. Maybe there's somebody that the Spirit of God prods you to witness to. Oh, I wish we had time this morning. We just don't for, for, to tell you the story about uh, Cheryl testified a few weeks ago about going to the mall. And uh, she doesn't like to go to the mall, but she had to. And she gave three tracks out in the process of her trip. And she went back the other day. I'm guessing this is three weeks later, maybe four, to see one of the ladies she gave a track to. And the lady said, uh, I'm, not, I'm not supposed to be at work today. Cheryl said, oh, yes, you are. This is an appointment from God. The lady said, uh, she said, you know, I've prayed this prayer every day. And Cheryl said, oh, you don't have to because God heard you the first time. She read the track. She got saved. But she, Cheryl did that in, listen, you say, yeah, but Cheryl's an outgoing person. It's not easy for anybody to share the gospel, no matter what your personality type. The Spirit of God prods you and you go, oh, I can't talk to him. He's a biker. Look at those tattoos and the leather and the chains. God didn't give you that spirit of fear. He gave you the spirit of power. You can do it. He gave you the spirit of love. You can show the love of God to that fellow. He gave you the spirit of a sound mind, even if he does cuss you out. You can keep it under control. You've got the tools in your toolbox. Maybe you're sitting here saying, well, no, I don't, because you talked about the Spirit of God and getting saved and all that, and I don't have any of that. I've never done that. Maybe you've come to church here for 10 years, but you've never done that. You've never made Jesus Christ your Savior. No matter who you are, I urge you, don't leave this building without being sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior. So what does that mean? I'll tell you right now what it means. We've talked about it the whole service practically. We've sinned against God. That's why we know how to lie. That's why we're so good at hating. That's why we're so good at not doing the things we're supposed to do and doing the things we're not supposed to do. We're all good at it. If we weren't sinners, we wouldn't even know how to do those things. But we all know that we all do those things. Sin has a penalty. The penalty is eternal damnation. So we're walking dead in this life and we're going to spend eternity damned because of our sin. So I didn't come to church to hear that kind of horrible news. Oh, no, you came to hear this. In spite of the fact that we've rebelled against our creator, he loves us. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us as we celebrated it in the Lord's Supper today. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. He conquered sin and death. And now he offers to you complete forgiveness. And instead of eternal death, eternal life. How do I get it? You say yes to his invitation. You acknowledge your sinful condition and say, I don't want that. I'm turning away from that. And I'm taking Jesus. 
And it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. You say, okay, I want that. Let's, let's go to the Lord together right now. If you say, yeah, I want that. I want Jesus as my Savior. Tell him for yourself right now. You talk to God. This is not you through me to God. This is you connecting directly to God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And very quickly you say, I know that I've sinned against God and I want to be saved. All right, so talk to God and tell him something like this. Dear God, I know that I have sinned against you. I know that I am a sinner. I'm sorry. I don't want eternal damnation. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for paying for all of my sins. Rising from the dead and conquering death. And right now, I accept your invitation to be saved. I believe on you. Come into my heart. Save my soul. Take me to heaven when I die. And help me to live like a Christian. Amen. Anybody in this room that just prayed?